Any intentional forward movement of his hands starts a forward pass, even if the player loses possession of the ball as he is attempting to tug it back towards his body. Also, if the player has tugged the ball into his body and then loses possession, it is a fumble. Like I got over the tuck rule, but I still think about the tuck rule. Do you not believe the tuck rule was appropriately applied? I do not. I do not. Hello, party people. It's another tuck rule, back by unpopular demand. After a wild week of college football, it is I, as always, Victoria. I'm here. Again, and I think the big news this week that we're all talking about is that uh, my co-host, former UConn head coach Katie Rose, uh, left in the middle of the night to accept the USC job. Uh, Katie, I just wanted to talk to you about your decision to do that. Um, what did you say to your team when you left? Uh, fuck bitches, get money. Cream. Cash rules everything around me. Get the money. Dollar dollar bill, y'all. That's right. <laughs> Also, the the other big news of this week is that Michigan head coach uh, Taylor at Seltzer Mom uh, <laughs> also left her program in the middle of the night to uh, become the next head coach of LSU. Uh, Taylor, welcome to the Tuck Rule. Um, what do you have Thank to say you. for yourself in abandoning your beautiful Wolverines on the precipice of making a playoff? Well, you know, um, I sent a text message out to the players at... Uh, 10 o'clock, uh, told them I loved them, and then hightailed it immediately to Baton Rouge. I wasted no time. Um, there, there, we had a really, really good meeting, I think. It was, it lasted about um, 67 seconds, and uh-huh. then I left, and it was really rewarding. Um, they still haven't announced me as the head coach. That's really weird, um, but I changed, like, my Twitter bio you know, I am just fully decked out in purple. I don't understand why they haven't announced it yet. I'm a little confused. And I hope that, you know, the video never gets leaked of of that 67-second um, goodbye to my team that I care about so much. That would probably be pretty ideal. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> uh, we're going to set aside the bit. Taylor, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you. You are the official Michigan correspondent of the Tuck Rule, uh, I think is fair to say. Uh, and, oh boy, do we have reason to talk about <laughs> Michigan this week. So we could, uh, we are thrilled to have you on. Um, it's an honor to talk about the Big Ten on this podcast. It's <laughs> truly a, a joy. <laughs> fine, fine. You know what? The Big Ten earned it this week, is what I'll say. Um, but... Before we jump straight into the game, we're going to run through some scores real quick. Katie, take us through that. All righty. In Atlanta, we had a game that was entirely predictable in its outcome, and you shouldn't have ever watched it at any point. Number one, Georgia 45, Georgia Tech nothing. Uh, Georgia Tech did not score on their final 23 drives of the season. This spans over three games, by the way. So, um... That's bad. Pretty bad. I would say that's not good. <laughs> Things are bad for Georgia Tech right now. Yeah, I would say they're not good. Again, <laughs> just want to emphasize that. As the coach of LSU, I, I have a really good grasp on these sorts of things. Uh-huh. And, yeah, not good. It's just in. LSU and Georgia Tech schedule a neutral site game at Legion Field 
I'm breaking it here on oh, the Oh, incredible, <laughs> incredible. Um, what a venue. <laughs> what, what a, what a, what a cathedral of college football. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, number four, Cincinnati 35, East Carolina 13. ECU had a 3-0 lead at the start of the first quarter and at the end of it too, but Cincinnati scores 21 second half points to put the game out of reach. This was not a terribly efficient game by the Bearcats, but Desmond Ritter did throw for over 300 yards and two TDs, though he also threw two picks. Uh, Number five, Notre Dame, 45, (laughs) Stanford, 14. This is, there is literally no reason to talk about this game at all. Number eight, Ole Miss, 31, Mississippi State, 21. You knew this game was going to be absolutely terrible when that when that one drive struck where I believe Mississippi State had three straight drops like in the red zone that were like sure touchdowns. Oh, no. Uh, oh. Th- oh. Fuck, fuck you, Mike Leach. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Uh, what a what a waste of the game we recommended to you on Thursday for Thanksgiving. But anyways, Ole Miss was up 10-6 at halftime because of that. Turned it into a 24-6 lead and a 31-13 lead before Mississippi State scored a garbage time TD. Could have been different, though. Number 9, Baylor 27, Texas Tech 24. Texas Tech always kind of kept this game within arm's reach a little bit. Uh, Baylor did score a touchdown and got a fumble on the kickoff, converted a field goal within the first 10 snaps of the game. It was 10-0. It looked like it was going to be an easy win, but Texas Tech keeps things close throughout. It ends up being 17-10 at half, and Baylor had a 27-17 lead in the fourth quarter with seven minutes to go. Texas Tech gets a quick strike touchdown pass. Baylor gets stopped on downs inside Texas Tech's red zone. Texas Tech's able to drive to the Baylor 35 with less than no time remaining. Kick, They'll kick a long field goal, but it ends up uh, just a foot or two to the left, and Baylor survives, gets to play in the Big 12 championship game, which we will talk about. So, and the last Yeehaw. score... Hell yeah. And the last score we'll talk about is North Texas 45... Unfortunately, our number 15 UTSA Roadrunners have meeped their last meet. A 45-23 loss in which North Texas absolutely fucking demolished UTSA in every oh, regard. Oh, was bad. Oh, God. Hey, guys, 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 check this out. Weep, weep. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't see it. You can't see it, but, like, my fucking, my head is in my hand right now. Just, like, mm. <laughs> weep, weep. Weep, weep, motherfuckers. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyways, uh, since we do record on Wednesday, and since we actually have the college football playoff rankings in front of us, and since we have to actually care about them right now, top six for this week, number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, Alabama, number four, Cincinnati, number five, Oklahoma State, and number six, Notre Dame. Brian Kelly lists Uh, Notre Dame. (laughs) What's about to say? Oh, Um, God. Marcus Freeman's Notre Dame. Um, Tom, uh, I was going to say Tommy Reese's Notre Dame, and Tommy Reese is only 29 years old. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. He's only 29? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's younger had, than me. Just, oh, no. Wow. Okay, so he's not going to be the next head coach of <laughs> Notre Dame. Um, this is this playoff picture, though. Okay, God. Uh, well, we're going to talk about how Michigan got up to number two, but we live in a world in which Georgia... 
Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State like control their destiny to the playoff. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Notre Dame only needs like a Baylor upset to get in the playoff. Yeah. Straight up. With an interim coach. <laughs> with a fucking interim coach. I just want to – oh, I have an announcement. Um, I've actually – last night after I – um, accepted the job at LSU. I am now the head coach of Notre Dame. Um, oh wow! So, oh wow! I am Break. blessed and humbled um, by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I am a confirmed Catholic. You know, Me too. I will... So, can I be your defensive coordinator? Absolutely, you can be. Yeah. So, just huge, huge day. Uh, go Irish, as they say. Um, it's a hu- it's a huge blessing. Um, big ups to the man upstairs. Uh, yep. Huge day. As a lapsed huge Baptist, day. I cannot be your offensive coordinator, unfortunately. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Sad. We we might live in a world where Cincinnati and, and Notre Dame are both in the playoff, and it's heavily rumored. And it's heavily rumored that one of the playoff teams is going to leave their school to go to a different playoff team. And, uh, <laughs> I love that. Notre Dame-Cincinnati make the playoff. Marcus Freeman is the interim coach at Notre Dame. After the playoff, Notre Dame hires Luke Fickle, and then Cincinnati hires Marcus Freeman. Could happen. (laughs) Just a big switcheroo. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I guess that's the playoff picture, but one of those teams vaulted, vaulted themselves right in there. Michigan took down Ohio State. Holy shit. Um, and <laughs> our guest today, Taylor, was there. Taylor, uh, as a certified Michigan person, um, I, why I don't was. you... I'm, I'm just going to set you up and, uh, and let you go here. Tell us about what this means for you as a Michigan fan, what it was like being there. Just go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, it is, again, an honor to be able to screech about Michigan football in a positive way uh, for the first time in, I probably... 10 or plus 10 plus years of being like a serious fan i went to school there from 2012 to 2016 um, because i just simply did not want to live in buffalo slash the small suburb that i am from i became a michigan football fan largely due to stockholm syndrome uh because there's really nowhere else to go and um (laughs) no ann arbor's a beautiful city um but uh, huge sports fan to begin with, and then just kind of like really got into Michigan football, possibly during their worst 10 years that you can possibly think of, like toward the end of the Rich Rod era into the Brady Hoke era, yeah. and then in the Harbaugh years. So I've seen some terrible stuff. Um, I went to every home game um, when I was there, oh, except Lord. for like two. One of the games I actually missed was the game in 2014 when Brady Hoke didn't wear a headset, found out he um, let Shane Morris play concussed, <laughs> and then the next day there were protests to get rid of the athletic director and Brady Hoke outside the president's house um, at the university. So that was a weird thing when I was walking to class that day. I was like, oh, we're doing this. Uh Wild times. Um, I was also there. That was the mm-hmm. same season that you could buy two Coca-Colas and get two tickets to a football game. So I have, when I tell you I've been down bad about Michigan for over 10 years, I mean that. Like, there is no, no joke. Um, and it, to, to get back to the question of, like, what it means to me to, to have seen this, it was incredible. So 
um, my senior year, my mom got uh, season tickets because she was like, in the future, we can always go back. And then we used to go a lot. We would get like a hotel and just do whatever and, and see home games. Uh, now we sell tickets because we're normal, um, but we keep the big ones uh, because we're greedy. And so we, this time, because, you know, we just didn't really know what to expect. And we were like, we'll probably leave at halftime. It's not that big of a deal. Um, I did a whirlwind trip to Michigan within 24 hours to see the game. It was the greatest experience of my life. Um, I was very tired. I did not want to go. I was miserable mm-hmm. on the way there. I was like, we got up at 4.30 in the morning, and I'm about to watch this team get blown out in the first quarter. This is not uh-huh. going to be good. And then, like, and then. just, yeah, I, I don't even know. And then is just the part that just still has me in shock. Um, it was just incredible. Like, the atmosphere in four years of being a student, like close to five, six years of being an alum now, um, and having gone to games basically every year except last year with COVID, I have never seen or experienced the big house like that ever. Electric, like you could not hear anything. Um, And apparently Ohio State could not either because (laughs) the crowd noise caused five false starts. Um, That was just- The second that I saw that, the second that I saw that, I was like, oh, they're done. They're done. Michigan will not be denied today. Mm -hmm. It was just wonderful. And I will say toward the beginning, it was not, it was a great opening drive. And then what was it? Second, third drive for Michigan. um, Cade McNamara threw that interception. And I was like, all right, we're done here. (laughs) Like this is over. Mm -hmm. Like, because usually like they'll, they'll get out to a strong start and you feel really good about what's about to happen. You're like, all right maybe we'll have a nice time. And then all of a sudden kind of things go off the rails for Michigan. That happens very often. It didn't this time. And I think the McNamara interception, I honestly think was a turning point for the game, just because typically Harbaugh and company uh, tend to shy away from their quarterbacks after something like that happens. And they, they get really conservative in their play calling and they get really, really like stuck in what they want to do. And, and they're very conservative because they just don't, trust their quarterbacks which is kind of terrifying considering jim harbaugh was a quarterback Um, (laughs) jim harbaugh knows quarterbacks and he knows that they're full of shit (laughs) (laughs) that's very true uh including him uh so usually they kind of like you know first of all we haven't had great quarterbacks throughout the entire the entire harbaugh era and this uh shout out to the bucket problem which is uh, a michigan podcast uh by a couple of uh, very smart Michigan people. Um, Cade is probably the first quarterback where we are really seeing the development and seeing that he's like, that we can trust him. That And you can tell even in the offense and even in the way that Harbaugh and company and Gaddis and whoever called the game, um, which was really, really exciting. And it was just something that we have, I don't think as fans that we have ever seen before. like for them to continue with their game plan, you know, and trust Cade, even though we're a pretty run heavy team, like, you know, Mm -hmm. Haskins, obviously five touchdowns, just unbelievable stuff. Defense was just unbelievable. Aiden Hutchinson is like a generational talent and I cannot believe he plays for Michigan. Like sometimes I'm like, are you sure, bud? Like, did you want to be here? You know, at some points, like there was, there were a few nerves of just like, okay, it's like kind of within one or two like easy scores. And you never really know 
with Ohio State, like, score they can score. Just, you know, you you could, like, blink oh, your yeah. eye oh, and yeah. score. That didn't Ohio happen. State, like, yeah. like, I'm not sure, like, quite how visible it was in the stadium, because I kind of think it's almost easier to see this at the stadium than it is over the broadcast sometimes, but, like... Michigan just like out physical them everywhere, and I would never expect that from nope. Michigan over Ohio State. Honestly, like, our big beefy boys yep. did absolutely did not let them do anything, and it was magical. C.J. Stroud, I think, had like a pretty brilliant game. Yeah, like, or as good as you could in those mm-hmm. conditions. Yeah, and obviously, Ohio State's receiving core is nuts, and Michigan let up some big plays on defense but they all felt very like reasonable and whenever there was any sort of big play michigan was there to tackle like immediately just like yeah. tackle 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 just they had an like very yeah oh, go yeah ahead. michigan had a pretty excellent game plan i thought like you let like you let you let your edge guys pressure because ajabo and hutchinson as we've talked about are brilliant and generational talents um they got two oh of God. them ajabo is just Every sorry, I'm so sorry. Ojabo, every single ga- every single game Ojabo has played, like there has been like something like there's like one big play and then it's like two big plays and then all of a sudden it's just like he is an absolute monster. Like this team is a joy to watch, which I have never said about Michigan football. I think I I think that this has been the year where I have come to like really appreciate like football played like this, where it's just yep. Uh, we're like, we are going to do very basic pin and pull shit and we're just going to like out physical you and we're just going to run down your throat because I think it is actually demoralizing. It is way more demoralizing to have a team run for 300 on you than it is to have a team like pass for 400 on you. Like it just fucking sucks. Um, I I think, I think Ohio state, we talked about this earlier in the season with Oregon where they just didn't do their run fits correctly. I, I remember watching Ohio state's linebackers against Oregon and I thought, the, these guys look like high schoolers because like they they were they were like two or three gaps over and Michigan had this game plan where if we run pin and pull to the outside every time we have to make them defend that gap and they can't do it and they didn't do it they they didn't do it the entire yep. game yeah and it was just it was just there was really nothing that Ohio State did that that felt like that Ohio State that Ohio State team that we've watched after Oregon just rolling over teams. It was just, it was vindicating. It was magical. I love now the paradigm shift of wondering what Ryan Day's future looks like, which I'm like, they're an an excellent team. I don't know what you're talking about, um, asking about Ryan Day on the hot seat or whatever, but I know that they're, they've got some not as, classically Ohio State recruiting classes um, coming coming through the pike and I know that you know there there were some just like really dumb rumors about Ryan Day going to Chicago um, once uh, Chicago <clears throat> finally severs <clears throat> ties with Matt Nagy which maybe will be never like who knows <laughs> he has been crowned god emperor of the of the greater Chicago area. Um, They're building the statue, but um, just just one final point about the game, which I have not gotten to watch back yet. I really want to because I really want to dig in, um, but I haven't. I was just kind of in just like some crazy like fan like days. Yeah. Um, Very and, understandable given yes. the circumstances. Yes. Yeah. The one last thing that I will say is that 
um, we did rush the field. Um, and by rush, if you listen to Full Cast After Dark, which I'm sure many of your listeners do, um, they mentioned that it was a pretty orderly, very Midwestern rushing of the field. And that is correct. Uh, everyone was very polite, very nice, helping people down, oh, helping people oh. up. Um, it was just real, real Midwestern niceness. And um, it was really one of those surreal things. And I think that, like, one of the funniest things was just, like, obviously people closest to the players and closest to, like, who got out there first, like, the students and stuff. Like, they were super, super hype. And then the rest of us were just out there, like, holy shit. Like, did we think we were going to be down here? Like, what the fuck? Like, oh, my God. It was simply just, like, incredible. And then, again, to the to the full cast crew's point, when when they were like, please get off the field now. Everyone was like, okay, we gotta go. We gotta, I, I love how they like just, gotta get out there. I love how they just like climbed over like the wall and just like went back out like through the, um, through like the stadium entrance. Like that's, that's so good. Like all of them were so orderly in doing that. I think that's so funny. Oh, Truly yeah. just so polite. So, so nice. And it was, but it was just like, it was surreal like the snow like it was like one of those things that like one of those like really stereotypical like classic like football things of just like cold shitty day like snow is flying like people that have been waiting for this for years are finally like getting this like good old-fashioned football win and it was just really really delightful um and it was just magical, and I had a great time. I'm going to stop talking about it now because there's so much other college stuff that I would oh like to God. take a victory lap on. Um, Hell yeah. So I will leave it at that, but uh, Michigan fucking – I don't even know. I've never said that they're good, but, like, Michigan might be they're good. 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 Holy they, shit. And they have a very are, clear path to the college football playoff. Uh, I would just like to say right now for the record – from here, we can move on to the rest of Rivalry Weekend. Fuck Ohio. Mm-hmm. Fuck Ohio. Go Blue. Fuck Ohio. It's correct. Go, Go Blue. blue. There was a wild rivalry slate this week. Uh, we rolled from the game straight to a very strange Iron <laughs> Oh, Bowl. my God. Um, this game's such a weird This game started with ten consecutive punts. Ugh. Yes. They, yes played, the- they played Big Ten football. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Auburn's joining the Big Ten West. You you heard it here first. Honestly, you know what? Where is Auburn located? The Plains. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oh God. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's true. This this game was very very strange. Uh, Auburn was up seven nothing at half. Their quarterback T.J. Finley gets hit and gets hobbled. And is playing on one leg the rest of the game. And Alabama can't do anything because Auburn is pulling horseshoes out of their ass every single drive. It is... You thought that this game was going to... You thought Auburn was going to come out with another bullshit win. And, oh, here we go. But no. Nope. Nope. Uh, Second and eight with a minute to go. Tank Bigsby instead of being able to fall down inbounds, runs out of bounds, and that gives Alabama an extra 40 seconds on their last drive. And, boy, did they take advantage of that. Yeah, to, to the point about, like, how I was nervous about Ohio State because they can score at any time. Like, you could turn around and all of a sudden, like, they're up 
by two scores. Alabama can do that, and they did do that. And oh, yeah. I didn't get to watch it, but I, but I listened to it on the radio on, on the drive home because, again, psychotic 21-hour drive uh, or trip to, to Michigan and back. Um, it, it was just, like, baffling to me how Auburn just fucked that up. Just oh, don't God. give Alabama time to do anything. The devil works hard. Nick Saban works harder. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> yep. Uh, I think it's funny that you linked um, uh, Bama and Ohio State together in terms of being able to score at any moment. And the commonality there is that both of these teams can just teleport fast guys 40 yards downfield. Uh-huh. Um, and just... Tell, tell like, me about it. At, like, uh, <laughs> if... Your team has three or four really good wide receivers. Like, football's fake to you. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. You can just run four verticals every play. It doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's what Bama did. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Auburn fucks it up. Alabama ties it up. But then Auburn fucks it up, like, a second time by not going yep. for two in the first overtime period. Yep. Like, Man. absolute fools. I... I am divided on the overtime procedure. I don't like it, but it is extremely funny to watch teams trade two-point conversions, basically. Um, because because teams specifically practice those plays, so after a while, you're just going, like... It, it's like going to the back of the pantry on, like, Sunday before you go grocery shopping. Like, uh, whatever's here, we'll just do that. Um, so, the second overtime, they both kick field goals. Third overtime, they both hit two-point conversions, and in the fourth overtime, uh, TJ Finley throws a really bad ball that is nearly intercepted, Uh and uh, Bama has Bryce Young hit a quick little pivot route to John Mechie, who scores, and Bama wins in the most bullshit... (sighs) If the kick six is Auburn's archetype of just bullshit wins, this is Alabama's. And, like... The whole game, Auburn's defense, like, Auburn's offense did nothing in nope. this game. Auburn's defense... 159 total yards in the game. Ooh, yeah. God. I, like, I think Auburn had seven sacks. Like, yeah. Auburn's defense was, 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 was absolutely playing out of their mind. And their offense, um, off of a turnover, I think, in the third quarter, had the ball inside Bama's 30, and that turned into zero points, <laughs> and they punted out of that. Like... We were we were so close to Bama being buried for good, and instead we have to pretend like they might make the playoff for Honestly. another week. It, it was going to be great. If they beat Georgia, if they beat Georgia, they're in. both of those teams, they're in. Yeah, are in, which oh, means absolutely. that they're everything, which means that everything gets more complicated. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, one of the teams that it will get complicated for if that happens is Oklahoma State. Oklahoma oh, played. Come sleeping down the plains. Man, Oklahoma, what a if you're an Oklahoma State fan, you've gotta be like kind of doing what I'm doing right now, just like fucking victory laps. Like you've gotta be oh, just yeah. like mm-hmm. absolutely just roasting everyone you know that's an OU fan and just being like, fuck you. Like, so good for you. Talk your shit, pokes. You you earned this. This is great. It's a weird Oklahoma State team because this team has a defense. A very good defense, by the way. Straight up. And that's not, like, like the thing for earlier pretty good Mike Gundy Oklahoma State team is just like, well, if only this team had a defense because this offense is great. And then this year they have a defense and their offense is, eh. I mean, it's fine. It, it's but like, fine. 
Spencer Sanders like isn't even Mason Rudolph level. Uh, which if, if... <laughs> <laughs> Holy and, shit! And I think KB's laugh uh, might indicate what that means. Um, Spencer Sanders had himself a nice little game here. Yeah, um, he did. There, this game was like this is a game in which there was a pick six, a kick return touchdown, multiple muffed punts at the exact same spot on the field inside the <laughs> the five yard line. Like, I uh-huh. just. This game, uh, Oklahoma State spotted Oklahoma, like, nine free points because there was a safety in this game. Um, <laughs> this was a wild one. Honestly. I, yeah, I, I, it is weird that Oklahoma at one point was up 33-24 and you thought, oh, after that pinball pick that they had in the red zone, this game's over. You thought that. Um, and then it didn't happen because... Oklahoma's defense has been very, uh, they've been very ass all season in a really, like, I feel like people who don't watch Oklahoma are just, like, really surprised at, like, how bad their defense is. Um, and Oklahoma State's, and Oklahoma State was actually able to rattle Caleb Williams really well, too. (laughs) That's the other thing. Like, the stunts and pressures that they brought off the edge just constantly, like, made him throw, like, he he had to throw like three yard passes to the flat, and that was about it for the most part. Yeah, um, this is a this is a great season to be a fan of. I think what the college football Reddit has termed the hateful eight, which are the eight remaining Big Twelve teams that are not <laughs> Oklahoma or Texas. All of those fan bases are taking the biggest of victory laps mm-hmm. about the conference title game being Oklahoma State and Baylor. Just what an excellent fuck you this game was, and. Watching the end of it, kind of like what it was watching, like, the game, to be honest, is you're like, we can't have nice things, so what is the play in which it hinges? And when Caleb Williams had that super long scramble at the Uh very end of this game, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? We're really Mm -hmm. gonna let Oklahoma do this again. This sucks so hard. I hate this. Um, And then Oklahoma State's defense. Oh, gosh. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, Caleb Williams. I, I I love the guy. He's gonna develop into a special quarterback. But like the film study has clearly caught up to him. He he does not look comfortable at all in the pocket anymore because teams have figured out how to pressure him. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he stays put. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Uh, because Spencer Rattler obviously isn't. I don't think anyone thought he would. Curious to see what happens with him. That's all I'll say. Um, Certainly. He looked awesome in those first few games, but I think, like Katie said, that's probably a case of people not having film. Uh, but you know what? He's a freshman, and good yeah, lord does he have True tools. freshman, and in, in a very, with a very high ceiling, so he will develop. I think that we've, I think that we've given Bedlam its due. Yeah. It was, it was an absolutely wacky game. Um, uh-huh. And Oklahoma State's defense won it, which feels very apt for... This season, just in terms of Oklahoma State possibly getting over the hump and making the playoff for their defense to be the one to like close it against Bedlam. Um, also, I just wanna I wanna say this before we move on. If we're right and Oklahoma might be in a in a state of uh, disarray next year for reasons we'll talk about, mm-hmm. um, and Oklahoma joins the SEC in twenty in in twenty twenty three, like we think they might. And Bedlam ends because Oklahoma Oklahoma will be in the SEC. Oklahoma State could win Bedlam next year and end Bedlam on a winning streak. That would be uh, wild. <laughs> I, wonder yeah. if they would, I do wonder if they would do like a Pitt Penn State thing, which yeah. they're like 
they could do like an off like whatever like the out of yeah. conference schedule like bedlam but it won't feel the same so i i would no. love to see oklahoma state uh kind of bring it home one last time and give give mm-hmm. ou a big fuck you as if they have God, not had enough so already that would be I so think- good I think the SEC is moving to nine conference games when OU and SEC or, or when OU and Texas join. So, uh, yeah. that yeah, they that might be a little tough, but if they're not cowards, they'll do it. That that makes um, sense. Should we talk about Nebraska now? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, um, I I. <laughs> I so they lost to Iowa on Friday. They were up twenty-one to nine in the fourth mm. quarter, and Iowa won the game twenty-eight twenty-one, bringing uh, <laughs> bringing Nebraska's season to a close at three and nine. But this is not your normal three and nine team. Um, <laughs> this ain't your grandfather's this... three and nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, so. Nebraska finished their conference slate with a net zero point differential. They should they should have gone five hundred and they went zero. Nebraska finishes overall three and nine with their wins being over Fordham, Buffalo, and Northwestern. They go one and eight in conference, and I just want to read their losses and the point margin in each of those games. So in week zero, they lose by eight points to Illinois. <laughs> uh in week four, they lose by seven points to number three, Oklahoma. The week after that, uh, they lose by three to number 20, Michigan State. They lose to number nine, Michigan, by three. They lose to Minnesota by seven. They lose to Purdue by five. They lose to number five, Ohio State, by nine. Hey, that's a two-score <laughs> game. That's that's different. Uh, then they lose to number 15, Wisconsin, by seven. And then they lose to number 16, Iowa, by seven. So, oh, God. Nebraska that's down went bad. Three, they went three and nine, and they lost to six ranked teams by nine or fewer points. I I have a couple of other little tidbits I want to kind of mention. Um, so Nebraska went two and nine against FBS opponents. Their scoring differential was two hundred and eighty three points scored and two hundred and sixty five points given up. Uh, th- that is a plus eighteen scoring margin on two and nine. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, I have another really funny one. So ESPN's FPI, I know it's kind of bullshit, but it, it is pretty decent at, like, predicting games. Nebraska is ranked 35th. Really? Dear God. Oh, what wow. What the fuck? <laughs> they are ahead of North Carolina, LSU, Arizona State, Houston, and BYU. Holy shit. You mean Nebraska- Pac-12 champion BYU? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Oh, we're going to get there. <laughs> uh, dear God. Uh, well, the good news is that Scott Frost uh, can can really dig in over the offseason and uh, try and try and uh, make it better next year because they're keeping him. Yeah. I, I say this as the fan of a dead powerhouse. They're so fucked. <laughs> oh, my God. I the, it, oh God. it's a Matt Nagy thing again. They're just they just they they're just hitching their wagon to scott frost and you'll never understand why like you know how like every like every now and then like you've got like a friend or like someone you know that like 
they have a significant other that you know like they're great for each other like you know they seem to just like really love each other and everyone else is like what the fuck's going on like that's nebraska and scott frost like it seems like those people like i mean i know there are some people that call for scott frost's head and i know it's kind of like again not to bring it back to michigan but like seems like they wanted to do like a, a jim harbaugh like welcome home yeah. Welcome home, my son, kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. It's It was barely working with Harbaugh before this season. It is not working with Scott Frost, but they are going to keep doing it. He's that weird dude that, like, your friend insists on bringing to, like, parties and stuff. And you're like, I don't know what you see in that person, but, like, I support you. I love you. Like, whatever. But I'm like, just not going to be friends with this person. Right. Uh-huh. But then... But then, you know, as soon as they break up, you're like, I fucking hated him. So, yeah. like, that's what I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the Scott Frost, Nebraska breakup. And I think it's going to be really, really fun and really ugly, considering that they called what Scott Frost Day, like, is an actual day in Nebraska. Uh-huh. Like, those yeah. people fucking love that man. And I, I'm just oh, yeah. like, what do you see in this this man that is awful at his job? Yeah. Uh, they fired Bo Pelini for winning nine games a year. Then they uh-huh. fired then they fired Mike Riley for winning six games a year. Then And now now, and now they're now they're keeping Scott Frost for winning three games a year. Nebraska I, I I Nebraska, I hate to I hate to tell you what to do. I, I'm not the type that tells you tells people what to do. Please hire a fucking flexbone coach. For the yeah. love of God. Let's for the love go. of fucking Christ. Munkin would absolutely do it. Anyway, uh, we have a couple more tidbits real quick. Uh, yeah. Uh, so BYU finished 5-0 and against the Pac-12 this year. They beat USC 35-31. USC could have won this game, but they got stopped on a 4th and 10 inside BYU's red zone with like 30 seconds to go. BYU 5-0 and and I believe 10-2 and overall this year. Pretty good mark for Kalani Sitake. Uh, BYU Pac-12 champs. That's all I'm going to say. Absolutely. Hey, mm-hmm. they beat Utah, and Utah is probably going to win the Pac-12. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and Utah is a very good team too. Just. Oh Utah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Utah is no joke. Just, um, m- just murder, death. Just murder, death. Big Ten football in in Mormon country, which we. I don't know if we'd love to see it, but we do see it. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> so. We are seeing it. Uh, Army beats Liberty thirty-one sixteen. There's really no notes here. Uh, but fuck Liberty. It's true. Uh, (laughs) And lastly, I am going to shout out my Vols for beating Vandy 45-21 and uh, destroying the RCFB Twitter account for for doing the dumbest fucking takeover I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, I I feel like I'm the weird person on, like, weird football Twitter because I fucking hate that account. I, I I will spend, like, a minute ranting on it, but... Go balls! Hopefully, hopefully, we are in the Music City Bowl or the Outback Bowl, even. Okay, guys, uh, are we ready to talk about some devious licks? Oh, <laughs> oh, we are. Oh, I have been ready. I have been ready. This is part it's, of my victory lap. I told you. Uh, it is scamming season. I don't even know uh, how to set this scene. Um, LSU wants to like flop its junk onto the table and hire the big name and they're going to pay big money to do it. Right. So they want Jimbo. They want Mel Tucker. They want Lincoln Riley. They want, you know, maybe 
James Franklin and several of these coaches take this information, turn around, and use it to get big extensions. Um, you know, as you do. This is how this yeah. works. And you gotta get the bag somehow. Yeah, so we get to a point where uh, Florida hires Billy Napier away, so now LSU's fallback prom date mm-hmm. is, like, gone, and you're like, ah, shit. So it's like, well, we need Lincoln, or we're gonna have to do something real stupid, which, uh, that is foreshadowing. Um, and then <laughs> USC, who could not have had a more silent coaching search. Um, yep. They, they fired Clay. Yeah, they fired Clay Helton in September and have done nothing since. Like, nope. I forgot uh, USC existed for a while. I was like, where'd you guys go? Like, who, what's what's going on? But yeah, they, they, really, they really did one. Oh, yeah. So USC basically uses LSU being idiots as cover to, like, sneak in and, like, <laughs> steal. Steal Oklahoma's head coach, defensive coordinator, wide receivers coach, I think, and uh-huh. presumably most of their recruiting class. Yep. Because... I believe all of their five stars are from Southern California, if I'm not mistaken. Weird how that works, huh? Um, Interesting. Oh, oh gosh. Um, so there was a tweet I saw, and this th- this adds like a whole nother layer to it. Um, so one of these sports guys from Channel 9 in Oklahoma City says that Lincoln Riley has been in contact with USC since early September. No. <laughs> No way. That's... <laughs> no way. The entire season pulling off the most devious lick of all time. Honestly, Just... all right. He, he, he earned that. Like, oh, yeah. he pulled that off with no one finding out until this, like, <laughs> middle of the night, like, thing. Good for him. I can't even, like... If you kept that under wraps, unlike the next oh, coach yeah. that I know we will be discussing... Mm. Um, the fact that you kept that quiet for so long, honestly, good on you. Like, it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, if someone, like, breaks into my house, if my if my doors are locked and stuff, I'm, like, you know what? You worked hard. You got in. <laughs> I don't have anything I was like, My house is messy. I, I was oh, like boy. that during the COVID pandemic where I was, like, you know what? If it gets through the double mask and it gets through, like, me fucking, like, sanitizing my groceries every time, fine. It deserves to make me sick. Right. That's like, okay. it got me. They got me good. Right. Yeah. It outworked me. Um, low man wins. Uh, so <laughs> LSU, after Lincoln Riley flees, is absolutely fucked because they've missed out on all the names that we thought they had on their board. Um, Stephen Godfrey posted a very cryptic tweet that uh, on Monday that basically, I believe the text of the tweet was, LSU is cat, or uh, yeah, uh, Louisiana is Catholic. They have a Hail Mary, but sometimes the, the timing doesn't work out. I thought it was Luke Fickle. I completely misread that tweet because Luke Fickle is very uh, famously Catholic. Uh, but no, instead it was Brian fucking Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, boy. I, I woke up to this news on Monday night as I am a sloth and sleep at all times during the day. Um, I woke up to this news and I think it was the only thing that I could think about for a solid hour. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's the culture fit here is so. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Kelly, like so, listening to him speak both in the fucking um, leaked Notre Dame locker room talk that we'll get to. Oh my god! Listening to him speak there and listening to him, I think last week deny that he would leave LSU unless uh, very uh, 
Unless a, uh, quote, fairy godmother brought a $250 million check, which, uh, yeah, that's what happened. Basically. Um, that's pretty damn close. Brian Kelly has the most northerner accent I've, I've, I've like, ever heard uh-huh. in my life. Brian he's Kelly sounds—he's the Yankee. He's—he's he's the biggest fucking Yankee in the entire world. I bristled when I heard him talk because I was like, "Oh God!" Like, dear, like he's literally like he's like literally from Massachusetts. He is a like fucking mass hole. I saw. He, <laughs> I saw a tweet that was like, "Yes, I would like one poor boy sandwich, please," and I like I almost died. <laughs> Because I was like, oh my god, that's what he's going to do. That's like, he is going to be like, yes, hello, I would would like to have a poor boy sandwich. Could I please get some bayonets with my coffee? (laughs) Some bayonets. I I am here at this donor meeting telling you to geox tigers. That man's gonna have to do the LSU thing, which is you go into Western Mississippi and you try Mama's cooking, and he is gonna die. He's gonna die. I'm so excited. <laughs> this I... man, the first time he even gets a whiff of boudin, is gonna. Oh lord. I said oh he's gonna God. feed those students to Mike the Tiger. Like if they have a bad game, he's gonna he's gonna just like put them in the tiger cage with Mike, and which again. I wouldn't put it past him, to be honest with you. He's a terrible human being. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, my yeah. God. He's Brian Kelly, garbage. Garbage. Trash person. And should have been fired at, in his first season for literally killing a kid. Yep. So, yep. Yep. yeah. Killed, killed a kid. Uh, but, yeah. Oh, when, <laughs> when, oh, my God. If he's on, like, LSU's the one that has, like, the lazy river, right? Can you just see that, like, miserable, miserable man from Massachusetts just trying to be on the lazy river? Like, in a full polo shirt and, like, like the longest swim trunks that you could possibly imagine. Just not having a good time. That We're going just... to have to explain neck to him. We're going to have to explain neck to him. Oh, no! 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 Here's the thing. He's going to ask what neck is. Someone's going to have to say, suck that tiger's dick, coach. And then you're going to have to explain oral sex to him. Like, you know that, you, you know that, like, fucking image of him coaching against, I think it's, like, South Florida in 2010, where he is just red-faced as can be? It's my oh, favorite yeah. picture. <laughs> that, that's going to be him after someone says, well, it's, it's, it, it is, it is a thing for dick sucking. He is going uh-huh. to lose it. He his northern catholicness cannot handle the the french cajun catholic nature of this place. He I'm is going so excited. he traded he he traded in. He traded in irish catholics from the north who were afraid to say god damn it for uh catholics in louisiana who curse in some indecipherable uh degeneration of french from like 1732 that like <laughs> Twelve people in East Baton Rouge Parish can understand. Dear oh, God, no. should uh, I want to talk about his locker room speech? <gasps> so <laughs> I think we have to go through the timeline first, really quickly. Which was oh, that yeah, yeah. he's he sent them what the Teamworks message, yep. the Teamworks group text at ten o eight, apologized <laughs> yeah. for the late night text message. Um, let let them know that his love for them is limitless. And then makes him go. To, <laughs> and then he makes him go to a seven a.m. meeting the next day. That he called 
it wasn't it it seems like based on the video it was not a like like a normal like 7 a.m lift or like early whatever they got called yeah. in at seven in the morning to listen to this man speak for what like they say four minutes but i think does the ad talk oh. first so it's like more like yeah. three and a half minutes oh I Taylor, I want you to know that I took you speaking there as a chance to have a drink. So when you said that he wrote that his love for them was limitless, I did an actual spit take. I want you to know that, uh, and it was not on purpose. Um, and the and the yeah. limit is apparently fifteen million dollars a year. Yup, that's true. Yep. Uh, I love that his like three and a half minute speech is like basically, baby, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> Like, he, like, straight up hit him with that. Like, mm. Katie and I were talking about this in a group chat that we're in, and our other friend, uh, who's also named Katie, uh, said that the correct thing to do would have been to just go in there and say, hey, uh, I have to take care of my family, and you guys should also uh, do whatever you need to do to take care of your families. Like, he should have just been honest. Yeah. Right. Instead of like, trying to and, pretend. And it would have... And it would have gone over well than, like, this weird thing where he, like, stops at the end and feels like he's seeking applause that never really comes for very <laughs> oh, yeah. obvious reasons. He's, like, he's oh, waiting God. for validation and he does not get it. And as some, as a Michigan fan, uh, again, I'm going to really, I'm always going to be bringing this home. Um, the thing that just makes me chuckle is that, um, first of all, like, if I didn't hate Brian Kelly and think he was a piece of shit, um, I would be laughing because Notre Dame is just so unbelievably screwed and it makes me a little happy uh-huh. to watch them sad. However, having hate-watched Notre Dame most of this season because I've only wanted bad things for them, um, I ended up watching a lot of their football. And they're really, you know, they had a couple rough games, like, definitely almost lost a couple, like, doozies, but... They, again, really improved their great football team. And I I feel for those kids because, like, yeah. they really had, uh-huh. like, they really had something going there. They really, like, pieced together a really good season. And you could mm-hmm. tell that they were just so excited. Mm. And, oh, yeah. And then Brian Kelly was like, fuck you. Um, it is, yeah. it is wild to, for, like, the internet feels bad for Notre Dame right now. Which yeah. is no one should ever like don't feel bad for the Catholics. yeah yeah this is i still find it insane as an older as an older college football fan this dude left notre fucking dame for lsu and i know the money i know the money it's still insane notre dame is supposed to be the job the fucking job like it's urban Meyer's dream job yeah. Oh, by the way, um, I Luke saw Fickle's a dream job too. I, I saw a tweet that was like eighty-five uh, percent of Power Five ads wouldn't even consider Urban Meyer as coach. But uh, I'll digress from that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Notre Dame has come a long way uh, when Lou Holtz retired back in the mid '90s. I know I'm getting old here and I'm aging myself, but I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> so when he retired, Notre Dame was kind of in this treadmilling like. Seven and five, eight and four. Charlie Weiss gets hired. They uh, they have a pretty decent first couple of years. They go to a few BCS games, but then the fucking three and nine season happens, and they've been kind of they were kind of that six and six, seven and five team. But Brian Kelly actually did build them up. That that is the one good thing I will say about Brian Kelly. He he did 
he did a very good job of building Notre Dame back into a program that is very relevant in modern college football. It's true. Yeah. Like, interestingly, like before I was ever even a Michigan fan, like I, we didn't really have like an affiliation as, as a family because um, none of my like family really went to college at all. So we didn't really have like a college football like place we were rooting for or like anything like that. And obviously Buffalo mm-hmm. is not a big college football environment. Um, but we always hated Notre Dame because we had a family member who was an alum of Notre Dame and we did not like how much he talked about Notre Dame. Uh, So I've hated Notre Uh Dame probably since like, since birth. Um, And I feel bad for them. And I listened to that like players podcast. So like a couple other student athletes have a podcast. Like they did a quick 15 minute emergency pod about how they wanted to like, you know, just be super clear about like they didn't want to believe the narrative of like his legacy being tarnished at Notre Dame or anything like that and then he goes and does that to like those kids Uh and I've I don't necessarily know if I'll ever feel bad for Notre Dame the way I do for them right now um so yeah I am obviously still taking a victory lap because fuck Notre Dame but fuck Notre Dame fuck Notre Dame um it's also funny to me that Brian Kelly uh, offered both of his coordinators the jobs at LSU. Oh my God. Yes. It's wild. And like, but I I do think that Marcus Freeman's smarter than that though. Like Marcus Freeman knows better than that. I think. And Uh, I think that's a, that's probably a sign that Freeman might be, I mean, he's, I think he's the interim guy at least. And if not the guy, cause they, they love Reese. They love, yeah, they love Reese. They love Freeman. Um, like, I, I don't think they they go away from that. I, I would even say into next year. And I know all of the players, like, a bunch of the players even tweeted that they want him to be the coach. Oh, yeah. Which, players, like, yeah. Players, 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 players definitely love that guy. Um, uh, Matt Campbell and Luke Fickle would very much like that job, uh, is uh-huh. the sense that I get from people who talk about college football on the internet. Mm. Um, so Campbell. it'll be interesting to see... Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if they decide to keep Freeman. Because Freeman right now, he is in a great spot. Because if Fickle uh-huh. takes that job, he slides right over to Cincinnati. Because he was the defensive coordinator there for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, e- so either he gets Notre Dame or he gets Cincinnati. Or he might follow Brian Kelly to LSU. Pretty solid. Um, yeah. So uh, as wild and entertaining and full of content that the uh, college football world was this week, the NFL could not have been more silent. Um, it was kind of a lackluster Thanksgiving that was followed up by kind of a, like, there were some interesting games this weekend, but none of them felt very, felt very, like, uh, like, big and important, with a few exceptions that we're going to talk about. Um, first, I just kind of wanted to run us through the Thanksgiving slate, because we talked about those games before. Bears 16, Lions 14. The Lions continue to invent absolutely Uh heartbreaking ways to lose football games. Uh, they they, they had in... about 75,000 holding penalties in this game. Oh, yeah. The Lions have uh, they have six games left on their schedule. They're currently 0-10-1. Those games are against the Vikings, the Broncos, the Cardinals, the Falcons, the Seahawks, and the Packers. So they need to win one of those games to not go down as a team who failed to win a game in 17 attempts. I don't love their chances in any of those. Nope. Mm, not I at mean... all. They're going to have to get... Maybe one, but like, yeah, but like, it's got to be a fluky game. Yeah, it's got to be a fluky, fluky game in order for them to get that. 
Seahawks are like already tapped out. They might be really tapped out by by week seventeen there. Um, but anyway, so that game was ass. Uh, a much better game was Raiders thirty six, Cowboys thirty three. This game was. All offense, all the time, pew, 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 pew. Tony Pollard is awesome. Uh, that is my only note for this game, is that Tony Pollard uh, should be on a team where he's, where he's like, showcased more. Mine is... is yeah, I was going to say... I was going to say, mine is that I fucking hate the NFL's pass interference penalty. So fucking bad. <laughs> I can't uh, we're stand gonna, it. We're going to have to have a discourse about that at some point. Um, we are. Oh, we will. Uh, and the last one... We have two. We have two Bills fans on this show. Go Bills! So we might talk about. So we might talk about this game for slightly more than it deserves. Bills thirty-one, Saints six. This game was kind of weird in the first half, and much like the Jets game earlier in this season, it completely broke the fuck open. And the Bills cruised to another easy win that felt kind of weird. It was very spooky, and I just want to say, like, I'm glad the Bills have kind of regressed just slightly to being, like, a competent but not, like, elite football team, just because I will probably not need to watch more primetime games next season than I absolutely have to. I could not stay awake during that game. Um, (laughs) I'll be fully honest with you. It was just not my favorite game to watch. No. Um, Oh, no. It was fine. Like, it was great. Like, whatever. Josh Allen, MVP. Um sorry uh i just i just sort of um just pleasant pleasantly happy that they rebounded uh and i'm sure when we talk about previews i will have some things to say about the football team that we play on monday uh-huh oh. um the saints were capable of doing nothing in this game it was beautiful like, uh-huh. nothing they had 44 rushing yards on 25 attempts and unlike in college that's not full of bullshit sack yards um so they were just unable Tony Jones Jr. has 16 carries for 27 yards. Uh, the Saints were capable of nothing, which is why we're probably going to see Taysom Hill starting uh, on Thursday night. Oh, Lord. If he's oh, healthy, God. which I think he is going to be healthy. So, uh, yeah, we're going to stop talking about that now. Uh, on to Sunday. Buccaneers 38, Colts 31. The Colts are a good team. Uh, they Unfortunately. Kind of, yeah, they kind of folded a little bit here. Uh, they had the lead earlier on. Uh, but Carson Wentz looks better than I thought he would, Ugh. and that's about as nice a thing as I can say about him. I will say, though, I don't have conflicting feelings about saying that Jonathan Taylor is a star, because he's a star. Uh-huh. Um, Absolutely. Just awesome. one of the best one of the best in the league, and like I, I think I said this on Twitter, that I was a little bit more concerned about uh, Jonathan Taylor than I was about um, Derrick Henry when the Bills played the Titans, and then when the Bills mm-hmm. played the Colts. Um, I like being bright. Um, but I don't like being right uh, yeah. in that circumstance. Um, uh-huh. But Jonathan Taylor is really, really good. Like we, yeah. like I think just because he's on the Colts and it's easy to make fun of the Colts, um, we just don't really want to have that conversation. But we need to. Jonathan Taylor is like, to me, like an absolute just stud in the league right now. And oh yeah, he just doesn't get that oh. same consideration right now just because he's on Indy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like the he's AFC a leading South. rusher in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The AFC, AFC South, South in general is uh, is it's like even it's when the quiet. teams are good, it is the most invisible conference because most of the teams are newer and it's just it just kind of fades into the background. Uh, right. Patriots thirty six, Titans thirteen. Uh, Katie, please, no, please, please don't, please don't perceive my football team. Okay, um, I told uh, you, I, I I told you this would happen. I fucking oh, told y'all. Oh yeah, this team, oh, yeah. this team has been fucking ass. 
for like the past month, and I, ah, hey. <laughs> watching this watching this team play offense is like watching like it's like watching someone who just went up to like all Madden difficulty for the first time. So they uh-huh. don't really know how to move the ball too well. So they just run up the middle and throw like little three yard slant passes that just get immediately tackled. Mm-hmm. And with AJ Brown Brown out, um, yeah, that's bad. We didn't have AJ Brown, we didn't have Julio Jones, and we don't have Derrick Henry anymore. So uh, we are super fucked, and the Colts will win this division. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, Taylor, do you know who the uh, so the Titans uh, three leading receivers here, obviously without <laughs> AJ Brown or Julio Jones. <laughs> This is an impromptu <laughs> pop quiz. So, uh, oh, who are the God. Titans' three leading wide receivers in the Patriots game? Oh, God. I. You're not going to know any of these people. I am not going to no. know any of them. I'm not even going to guess. I would like to I just might know. know one of them. Katie, okay, go ahead. This is, Katie, it's all you. Chester Rogers. No. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> uh, Nick, Nick Westbrook Akine. There you go. Uh, Nick Westbrook, uh, Ikina led the team in receiving with two catches for 25 yards and a touchdown. Uh, <laughs> this team is so ass. Their second leading receiver was a is is a six foot four, 216 pound, 28 year old named Cody Hollister, who is allegedly I, a wide receiver and allegedly pl- played college football at Arkansas. Are you and, sure? Uh, I have literally That's never heard person. of this guy. That is a fake person. Yes, Th- um, that that is that is a CPU generated fucking Madden draft prospect. Yeah, oh, that's not sure. a real person. Um, and then there's uh, Des Fitzpatrick, who was drafted out of Louisville. He's like an actual player, probably, maybe. Uh, so maybe. yeah, Chester uh, Chester Rogers had one catch for two yards in this game. Uh, we're we're <laughs> we're gonna move along. Uh, Bengals forty one, Steelers ten. Um, mm. The Bengals are cool. The Bengals uh, are one of the five teams in the AFC with seven wins. So, like the Bills, they're kind of uh, in the driver's seat in the wild card race right now. Um, Taylor, do you have something you want to get off your chest about uh, Joe Burrow? Uh, that I am a, a Joe Burrow stan. I love Joe Burrow. I I know he's from Ohio and went to Ohio State briefly. And, um, like, he's personal friends with Urban Meyer, which disgusts me. Um, but with that said, uh, Daddy Joe, uh, if you're single hit me up respectfully um but yeah no actually yeah i actually did have a point about joe joe burrow in that i remember in the preseason when everyone was just so so concerned that that he was just absolutely fucking washed like there was nothing for joe burrow i was one of those people victoria i remember you were one of those people as well we were both on that train um he is not the you know he's not as a great like you know he's not like one of those people that you're like joe burrow holy shit but um you know it is really nice to kind of see that and see chase not dropping like doing what he did in the preseason uh i don't really follow the the Bengals that that seriously except for when joe burrow posts on instagram um but it is (laughs) sorry oh my god i sorry yeah, sorry, That's Bills good. fans. Josh Allen does not do it for me. It's Joe Burrow. No, absolutely not. Josh Allen looks like nope. he's eight. He does, um. and that makes me uncomfortable. It really does. Like, I mean, good for you if that works for you. Like, listen, I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum. Um, but, yeah, but on a serious football note, uh, Daddy Joe is having a great season. Uh, and I would honestly, as a Bills fan, as someone in the AFC, 
if if the Bills had to play the Bengals, I would be like a little bit more nervous than I ever thought I'd be playing the Bengals. That's my only point. I think we all thought that this was going to be a bad year for the Bengals and that Zach Taylor would get fired and that this, like, why'd they even keep him for another year? What are we doing here? It isn't going to work. So the Bengals actually being decent this season has been, like, very pleasantly surprising. Um, like, makes me happy. Yeah. Also, also and fuck they're the fun. Steelers. Fuck the Steelers. Oh, yeah. Broncos 28, Chargers 13. I would like to recount what the Broncos have done over the past three weeks. They blew out the Cowboys and were beating them 30 to nothing before they, before the Cowboys scored some garbage time points. Then they lost to the Eagles, and then they went out and they, like, manhandled the Chargers. So, uh, the AFC makes no sense. There is... None. Nothing the Broncos do makes sense. Uh, nothing the Chargers do makes sense. Nothing anybody does makes any sense. It's and true. I put this game here to... Uh, really emphasize that the AFC and the NFL in general is impossible to make sense of. The last game we're going to mention here is 49ers 34, Vikings 25. I'm bringing this up only to say that the Niners have won three in a row and have gone from starting three and five to putting themselves like right in the thick of the playoff hunt because the way that things look right now in the NFC is a little weird. Uh, They are currently the sixth seed and there is a four-way tie for the seventh seed, which Washington has right now against Uh all odds. Washington, Minnesota, Atlanta, and New Orleans are tied for the seventh seed right now. That is um, cursed. That is disgusting. Yes. That is. Uh, I just, oof. I just want to say, Debo Samuel, the best running back in the NFC West. Uh, the the best two running backs in the NFL right now are Cordero Patterson and Debo Samuel. Um, <laughs> I love Cordero. And Cordero Patterson may be the best safety in the NFL. I, I do too. He's the only good. He is the only good thing to come out of Derek Dooley, Tennessee. So, <laughs> what do you I have stand. against Jonathan Crompton? What do you have against Jonathan Crompton? Okay, Crompton was a Crompton was a Fulmer Kiffin okay. project. Okay, got it. Um, yeah, I'm getting my early Tennessee. Er, for me, it's early Tennessee history. Um, because I'm <laughs> for a me, young. For me, for me, it's just like this happened two years ago. Uh huh. So. We would like to do some preview stuff. This is, again, going to be college football-focused, because college football is more interesting right now. It's uh, true. Katie, uh, take us through the title games. We have some conference title games. We do. We have 10 of them, and I will take you through all 10 of them, although not all of these games I will preview in great depth. So the first title game we have is the Conference USA one. It's Western Kentucky versus UTSA. This is in the Alamo Dome, and Western Kentucky is actually a one-point favorite. They are... <laughs> They run a really fun offense. Uh, I believe. Holy Bailey's... shit! I just i I just looked at this game and I saw Bailey Zappi's numbers. Yes. Yeah, what? Bailey Zappi. He's the leading passer in college football, and I believe Jared Stearns is the leading receiver in college football. They throw the ball a lot. Yeah, uh, we're. I would actually like to talk about Western Kentucky at some point in the offseason because they hired Houston Baptist offensive coordinator and then also took their quarterback and all their leading wide receivers. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, working well. And it has worked it well. Bailey Zappi is currently, uh, he has 406 completions on, fi- on 580 attempts. He has <laughs> 4,968 yards, 52 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. I love so, it. Yeah. yeah. Th- anyway. This game has... Uh, this is Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Pac-12 title game. 
three match number 10 Oregon versus number 14 Utah this is Friday 8 p.m. on ABC uh, this is actually I believe the first neutral site Pac-12 title game since it is in the Raiders Stadium in Las Vegas uh, obviously Utah smoked the hell out of Oregon 38-72 weeks ago Utah's only a three-point favorite this time but the efficiency stats say that Utah is likely to kind of do that same thing again so we'll see um, we go to Saturday at noon Mac the Mac title game which is always in Detroit Kent State versus Northern Illinois this game that they had a month ago was a fucking banger it was a 52-47 win for Northern Illinois, and I believe both teams combined for over 1,300 total yards. Uh, anyways, Kent State did narrowly outgain the Huskies, though, in that game, and Vegas lists Kent State as a 2.5-point favorite, so that'll be interesting. That's at noon on ESPN. Uh, first title game with national title implications. It's the Big 12 title game. Noon Eastern, ABC, number 9, Baylor, versus number 5, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State did beat Baylor 24-14 back on October 2nd, and ba and Oklahoma State is a 5.5-point favorite. Mm. Both of these teams are really good defensively. Uh, this game will probably hit the under, I think. Not that we do betting advice here, because I'm fucking terrible at it, but still. <laughs> Me too. Never listen to either of us. Yeah. yeah, I, I, um, yeah. I, I'm excited for this one just because... I part of me wants a little bit of like Baylor to win like part of me is just kind of like just really wants that sicko scenario in which Notre Dame has <laughs> to go to the playoff um that would be very entertaining I would love that I I and guess I just you know I should wait till the end of the preview just to kind of hear like what the most likely thing is to to happen uh -huh. in order to get Notre Dame in but I I, I guess I'm I, I believe I believe Baylor beating Oklahoma State is probably the only thing that really needs to happen. By the way, I think Baylor has an outside shot at the playoff. It's Ooh. like not a great oh, shot, and they need okay. Let in, uh, and they they need a lot of shit to happen, but it is technically within the realm of possibility. I think. Oh yeah. Are they right, a one loss or a two team. loss? They're, they're a so, two loss team. Okay. But. They are two loss. However, if Georgia beats Bama, if Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State all lose, um, uh -huh. the playoffs gonna <laughs> the playoffs gonna have to make some choices. Anyway, we should move along. Okay, okay. Mountain West title game: Utah State at number nineteen, San Diego State. This is three p.m. Eastern on Fox. San Diego State locked up their title game appearance with an impressive win over Boise State last Friday. Uh, meanwhile, Blake Anderson doing a pretty good job at Utah State. First year there, uh, and they're one of the better G5 teams in college football, and they average 458 yards a game, and Devin Tompkins is quietly one of the best receivers in college football, has over 1,500 yards receiving. Uh, but San Diego State is a six-point favorite, and this game is in the LA Galaxy Stadium in Los Angeles because... What? <laughs> San Diego State has been using that place as their home field since 2019. They didn't do like Hawaii where they just put like bleachers on their practice field. They like actually went to LA to play their games. Inter interesting. I did not know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel bad that this game is kind of in this time slot. Uh, the Sunbelt title game. Appalachian State at number 20, Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana interim coach. Uh, this game is at 3.30 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, it could be a fun game. Appalachian State, though, is a three-point favorite, and they look just a little bit better in everything, I'll say. Um, so Appalachian State may continue their dominance over the Sun Belt. Um, 
And then we get to Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Uh, the SEC title game, number one, Georgia versus number three, Alabama, 4 p.m. on the traditional CBS Good God. slot. Uh, yeah. Georgia's six and a half point favorite and their defense. Oh, God. I have a I have a stat here. Georgia's only allowed 3.7 yards of play. This is not only the best in college football this year. This is the best mark since 2011 Alabama. Oh, this is the best college football defense in a decade. Um, I think Alabama is a little inconsistent on offense, so I think Georgia will probably win this game by 10 points or so. Eh. Georgia is obviously... I think Georgia's in no matter what, but Alabama is... Uh, Alabama needs to win, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the American Conference title game at the same time on ABC. Number 16, Houston at number 4, Cincinnati. Cincy's in for a dogfight here. Uh, Houston is ninth in the country in scoring, but Cincy is actually sixth in the country in the same category, <laughs> despite having an offense that, uh, it's not that great. But they are a ten and a half point favorite, and Cincinnati almost certainly uh, will probably come out the victors. But there is one team that can beat uh, Cincy. It is Houston. So, oh yeah. We get to the two night games, uh, the Big Ten title game, number mm. two, Michigan versus number 15, Iowa, 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox. I note here, Michigan's got a dream scenario. Uh, Iowa has been asked the entire year. They are the shittiest 10-win P5 team. Um, Michigan's awful. a 10 and a half point. Michigan is a 10 and a half point favorite. Um and have the 15th best offense in terms of total yards per game. I was 121st in that same category. So, uh, so (laughs) wow. Iowa is bad. I was really, really bad. If I can just jump in and just say that I, I just, I have a good feeling, but again, being a Michigan fan, I never know what, what that's like except for like Saturday, that that's the first time in, in several years I do think that Iowa is certainly the better matchup uh, because the other option was going to be Wisconsin and Wisconsin has slowly and very quietly uh, kind of crawled their way back and salvaged their season and I think you know, and Wisconsin always historically has played Michigan pretty tough, um, as has Iowa, but they're not at Kinnick. So Michigan historically is terrible um, when they when they play Iowa on the road, like brutally bad. But I do think that this is a team, <laughs> this is an Iowa team that is just lethargic. I don't even know if, like. I know a lot of the discourse is like, oh, they're like really like they rely on turnovers to to kind of boost their game. They're not going to knock on wood that I don't think they're going to get what they what they want from Michigan or what they need in order to be successful. And I personally feel very, very confident for the first time possibly ever uh, that that Michigan is going to the fucking playoff it's just i'm gonna my victory lap will never end until the game ends seven to three iowa and i Uh, jump out a window unlikely but um yeah iowa iowa has had some bullshit this year so uh, i wouldn't say it's entirely impossible but i would say it's highly improbable um i i am very I, i am very intrigued by this because i think I've never seen a team go from 
eh, who cares to absolutely fucking end who cares about anyone else in like two weeks like Michigan did that win against Ohio State legitimately like that's a program changing win I think and oh, yeah. I know that's a weird thing to say but yeah it, 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 when you can prove that you can compete at that level in the modern game I think it generally I think it'll take your recruiting to the next level so mm-hmm. good for Michigan Um, the last title game uh, do you like offense Oh, hell yeah. Oh, God. Uh, Pitt versus Wake Forest, 8 p.m. on ABC. Uh, both of these teams are top 10 nationally in points per game and yards per game. Oh, Lord. Let's this go. It's a three and a half. banger. Three- Absolute Pitt is banger a- of a game. Yep. Pitt is a three and a half point favorite, and Kenny Pickett needs to put up some big fucking numbers for his Heisman case. I wish this um, weren't the night game because I want to watch that. I haven't really seen much of the. What is this? This is the ACC. Like, I haven't watched a ton yeah. of it, but I like have very like casually watched Pitt like ascend, which I think is delightful because I know like those fans are another kind of like down bad sort of sort of uh fran- like not they're franchise. psychos yeah uh like <laughs> <laughs> that's that's correct uh so i think it's gonna be a really fun that's a fun game and like that's like the big 12 that you that you typically think you're gonna get like you think that that's gonna be like like i guess like what i thought oklahoma state baylor would be is what uh pit wake is gonna be and I think it's going to be oh, yeah. a lot of a oh, lot God. of fun. It's going to be a delight. Um, I'm going to have a nice time, especially this... uh, when Iowa gets a safety and they win two nothing. <laughs> you got to find your joy where you can find it, right? I mean it's the true. six. I mean the six to four game was a thing. So <sighs> and the three to two game. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> Anyways, I, I just wanted to note here. Pitt would have their first conference title since 2010. That was a Dave Wanstead Dion Lewis joint. And Wake, Wake would have their first conference title since 2006, which was a nice Jim Grobe Riley Skinner joint. Oh, <laughs> talk so, about Riley Skinner! Oh boy. I think that the obvious, most likely playoff here is number one Georgia, number two Michigan, number three Oklahoma State, because I think Oklahoma State will vault over Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and number four Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the most likely. Um, I do have a sicko scenario here that I just want to note. Um, Number one, Alabama. Number two, Georgia. Number three, Notre Dame. Number four, Baylor. Yes. This is technically within the realm of possibility. Um, I will say that that the playoff ranking dropping Baylor from eight to nine for some reason after... I guess they technically played Texas Tech closer than they should have, but I think Baylor being nine right now makes that a harder sell. Um, I think that they might, I think that they might just slot Ohio state in at number four. So this is like really <laughs> like, Oh, that that's, that's super sickos. That, uh-huh. that... Could you imagine uh, if we go through a season like this, just to get like that exact same playoff scenario that we get almost <laughs> every year. That would, yep. that would be truly sick. That would be just perverse. Uh, so yeah, that is the dark playoff and we will not speak of it again. Um, <laughs> So, NFL football is happening this week also, allegedly. Um, there's really only one game I want to talk about, because it actually has implications, and I'm going to hate it. That would be the Patriots at Bills on Monday Night Football. Oh. I don't want this. I do not want that smoke. No, no, that's that's correct. Fucking Mac Jones. Ugh, we are catching the Patriots at the worst time. Like, 
This is the first time that the Bills are playing the Patriots all season. It's December. Um, <laughs> and we couldn't... Of course we couldn't catch the Patriots while they were crappy in, like, September and early October. Instead, we have to catch them when they're at, like, full death machine mode. Um, and they're just mauling on both sides of the ball. Speaking of teams that love to fucking tackle, holy shit. This team loves to tackle, and they will maul uh, you on the yeah. line on both sides. Um, I don't think the Bills can hang here. I think they're going to lose. Uh, and I think a whole lot of um, dipshits will get really sauced for a Monday night game, and then uh, have to stumble back to their cars through Orchard Park uh, at, like, midnight. And people will probably fall in some ditches and uh, probably break some uh, probably break some bones. Uh, so... I, I'm not looking forward to this one. I'm really also not looking forward to this one. Like I said, it, it, the silver lining is that I will, like, once once the Bills lose both games to the Patriots, I feel pretty confident that I will I will be watching 1 p.m. Sunday games for the rest of my life, which is going to feel great because, you know, it's one of those things where, like, everyone's like, why don't they show the Bills on primetime? And then it's like they show the Bills, like, four times on primetime, and I'm like, no, 8 o'clock is my bedtime. I hate this. Um, I'm trying to pull up a tweet. Howard Simon from WGR uh, tweeted this this morning uh, from uh, Dan Graziano from ESPN. Uh, Buffalo has committed more turnovers over the past four weeks than any other team in the NFL. New England's 12 takeaways during that same time period lead the league. So uh, just a little uh, fun fact to pepper into your Monday night pregame ritual that the Bills are likely to turn over the ball and the Patriots are likely to capitalize. Um, that said, fuck the Patriots. Uh, I would like to see the Bills win. I do think that they probably split. If they win here, they definitely lose in New England. No offense. Um, oh, for sure. For sure. It would be really advantageous if they split. Um, this is probably the best environment that they're going to get for the Patriots because even if somehow we get there for – uh, for any form of playoff game against the Patriots, it'll likely be in Foxborough. So this is the Bills' shot. They need to do this, and they need to do it well. I, I also don't have confidence in that. I don't know. I think my expectations are tempered. Um, I'll be pleasantly surprised if they win. It will not hurt my feelings if they lose. That's about where I am. Um, so, yeah, that has been way too much Buffalo talk. Katie is <laughs> losing her mind and um, just – It's okay. We have we have we have put Katie through so much Yankee shit. Just um God. We didn't even talk about okay. Buffalo. We didn't even talk about just like our our favorite our favorite niche things about Western New York, Victoria. Mm-hmm. We didn't even do that. Oh oh yeah. Uh Taylor, where's your favorite place to get a chicken sandwich in Buffalo? <laughs> a chicken sand ooh, a fried chicken sandwich? Um Oh yeah. I would say Brightsmith Brewing in Williamsville, New York. Uh, Katie, I can tell that you hate this, uh, so I will continue. (laughs) I'm fine. I'm fine. I will continue to speak on it. Um, Brightsmith is really, really good. Uh, It is a a, a staple. Um, And with that, but I mean, to be fair, Katie, you told us not to perceive your football team. So we are just we're simply just doing what you've asked. I, I mean, I would rather have this than talk about how Deontay Foreman is fucking terrible. So, so, I mean, I I mean, I could sit there and fucking talk about, uh, oh yeah, I really hate like going to fucking, uh, I hate going to West Knoxville because I love getting hit by fucking, I love psychos who are driving Mercedes Benz's, uh, driving absolutely terribly and trying to wreck you. 
So that to me sounds like all of Erie County. Mm. Uh, this, <laughs> uh, yeah, my oh, boyfriend, gosh. my boyfriend is from upstate, and he constantly bitches about how people here can't drive. Which you know he's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have reached the end of a mega tuck rule. Uh, we had to go long this week. Absolutely deserved it. Um, we had a and lot. We of had fun. a lot of fun. I oh, hell yeah. I had fun. Thank we you for having me. Time. Absolutely. Um, Taylor, uh, why don't you plug your shit? Okay. Uh, cool. So, uh, anyway, I am on Twitter at Seltzer Mom. Um, that is the word seltzer and the word mom, no spaces. Um, you've probably seen my horrifying tweets um, if you listen to the tuck rule. Uh, additionally, I am on other parts of the internet, uh, it, Instagram at Dweeby Bridgers. It's not that interesting over on Instagram. Don't get into it. Um, I have a Substack. It's free, and I write on it once every, like, two months. Um, it's called Midnight Audible, and I will be writing about uh, the, ex- the the experience of going to the game and going back home in 21 hours. Oh so I will be releasing that uh, very shortly. So if you would like to subscribe, uh, that would be great. And uh, I'm trying to think. Other things I do, basically nothing. Uh, I tweet a lot. Post. So excellent posts. Excellent posts. I, I'm just oh, a po- yeah. I'm just a poster. And uh, go blue. Go blue. Uh, Katie, where can the people find you? Um, before I get into that, by the way, <laughs> Taylor's newsletter is really good. By the way, you yes, it is. Oh, Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Um. Anyways, I am at Kate's of Heaven on Twitter. Uh, I do shit posting at three in the morning about eating dinosaur chicken nuggets and being trans. So, uh, if you're in you're into that and you're also into me tweeting uh mark stoops looks like a fam uh you can you can you can follow me on twitter at kates of heaven (laughs) that is a very well compensated fam that he looks like um you can find me on twitter at dirtbag queer that's that's where i am i'm there and i'm here you can find the show on twitter at tuck rule pod uh, for show updates, Katie has been making some really deranged graphics lately that I'm, <laughs> that I'm deeply into. Um, oh, God. Katie definitely understands uh, the stylistic um, kind of <laughs> aesthetic that I was going for when I made the show art originally. Um, and it's wonderful. Um, also, if you like our show and you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, or if you don't, you can leave a rating however you like. Uh, drop us a five-star review. It's the only, it's the only uh, rating you can give us. And uh, if you write a review and it isn't gross, we'll read it. Unfortunately, we don't have any new ones, but, you know, we'll do that in the future. So, I think that about does it. Uh, Katie, why don't you get us out of here? Colt McCoy eats bussy. <laughs> Yum. Oh, God. <laughs>